Now please, please pray with me. May the good news come to us, loving God, not just in words, but by the power of your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. The wedding to which Jesus and his mother and his disciples were invited was not a large or fancy celebration. Cana was a small village. The family who put on the wedding was probably poor, as most Jewish people were in that time and place. Coming up with refreshments for a wedding celebration would have been a stretch for them. But they did have wine to serve to the guests, until they didn't. Running out of wine would have been a major embarrassment for the family in a culture based on hospitality and honor and shame. And in those days, you couldn't just run to the store and pick up a new supply. As the wine ran out, Jesus' mother stepped in. This is one of only two places in John's Gospel where she is mentioned, and curiously, he doesn't give her name either time. But since we know her as Mary, I'll call her that. So Mary said to Jesus, hey, they're out of wine. In those few words, Mary told us several things about herself. She was perceptive. She noticed things. She was aware enough to see that the wine had run out. She wasn't just preoccupied with her own entertainment. And she was compassionate. She cared. She felt for the family putting on the wedding, aware of the embarrassment that the shortage would mean for them. And she was assertive. She took action. She didn't just assume it was somebody else's problem. She attempted to do something. She didn't have any idea how to get more wine on short notice, but she did mention the shortage to her son. And she pointed it out in a tone of voice that suggested that he might be able to do something. Jesus' reply showed that they were not on the same page. Woman, what does that have to do with you or me? My time hasn't come yet. Jesus addressing his mother as woman sounds jarring to us. It seems disrespectful. But actually, in that culture, the term he used was a, a term of respect. Something like, in our culture, if you addressed a woman as ma'am, what Jesus did not call her is mother. He made it clear that he was no longer her little boy that she could order around. This interaction shows that Mary and Jesus, despite their importance to our faith, were humans, struggling with the tension between a man ready to make his own way and his mother who still thinks of him as her boy. And in saying, my time hasn't come yet. 
Jesus implied that he had a sense of timing for his mission, and getting involved in the supply chain for this wedding celebration was not on today's to-do list. He was there as a guest to have a good time and share the joy of the couple. But Mary was not phased by his lack of concern. She pressed on as if Jesus had said, Sure, Mom, I'm on it. And she said to the servers, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's possible that Mary, as a friend of the family, had some responsibility for making the wedding reception run smoothly. And thus, it would be appropriate for her to give orders to the servers. But the gospel doesn't actually say that. In any case, Mary's words show that she was not only perceptive and compassionate and assertive, she was a woman of great faith. She had confidence in her son. Having lived with him for 20 years or more, she had a sense of what a remarkable person he was, how he was in touch with God in a special way. So she thought that if anyone could do something to help, it would be Jesus. But make a note of what she said to the servers. We'll come back to it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus must have thought better of his initial resistance because now he shows that whatever timetable he had in mind, however he might have been annoyed that his partying was interrupted, he's, he's flexible. He could change direction. He could respond to a need. And he could make use of whatever was available. This is not the only time in the Gospels where Jesus backtracked and did something that at first it seemed like he was unwilling to do. There were six stone pots in that building. They were used for ceremonial washings by Jewish people, and they held about 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to the servers, fill those up with water. I can imagine the servers rolling their eyes at such a request. They were not in on the game. Then they must have thought, whatever, and they just did it. They filled the jars all the way to the top with water. Jesus then said, take a cup of this to the master of ceremonies. So they did. And by the time it got to the MC, what had been water was now wine. The MC said to the groom, This is great wine. How come you save the best for last? Neither the MC nor the groom knew where that wine had come from. But the servers knew. They were in on the game after all. They simply did what Jesus said, and they saw a miracle. This is an example of how God's revelations often come to the most unlikely people. 
as when Jesus was born and the angels sang, not to religious leaders, This is an example of how God's revelations often come to the most un unlikely people, as when Jesus was born and the angels sang, not to religious leaders or political big shots, but to a bunch of ordinary shepherds. And here we see the grace of God in Jesus, not just meeting a need but giving abundantly. If you did the math, when I mentioned that those water pots hold, held 20 or 30 gallons apiece, you may have thought, that's a lot of wine. It was Jesus' gift to the happy couple, more than they could have imagined, enough to supply them for a long time. And they got the best quality, too. The Gospel tells us this was the first of Jesus' signs. What we call miracles, John calls signs, because Jesus did not do them just to meet human needs, even though they obviously did that. They were called signs because they pointed further. They pointed to truth about Jesus. But what is this miracle sign of? Two passages from the prophet Isaiah help us understand the sign. One is from today's reading. First reading, Isaiah 62, which uses the love of a couple getting married as a symbol for God's love for us. As one rejoices over in marrying one's beloved, so your God shall rejoice over you. And then in Isaiah 25, which speaks of God's vision for the end of time. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a banquet of wines, the finest of meats and the best of aged wines and God will swallow up death forever, and God will wipe away the tears from all faces. In the words of Episcopal priest Dr. Amy Richter, when Jesus makes gallons and gallons of wine at a wedding, it, it is a sign pointing to the scriptural promises that God will bring all people to God's own self that God will pour down God's love and the abundance of God's joy on everyone. But God's vision is not just for the end of time. Jesus' miracle at the Cana wedding is a sign that the future is now, that this vision of abundant provision and healing and hope and joy and victory of life over death has already begun in Jesus. And we can be a part of God's vision today. How? 
Well, Mary gives a good tip in the story. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. It worked for the servants at the wedding. Despite their misgivings, they simply did what Jesus did. They simply did what Jesus said, and they witnessed a miracle, and even helped make it happen. In the Gospels, Jesus gives a lot of instructions in words that are easy to understand, even if they are not so easy to put into practice. Words like love, listen, share, give, serve, forgive. And it's not hard to find people we're supposed to treat in this way. Family members, work associates, schoolmates, store employees, even people we prefer not to be with. And we don't have to rely on ourselves alone to treat people as Jesus would. It's often hard. But we have the power of God's Spirit who is given to us. And as we listen to what Jesus asks us to do, as we treat people as Jesus would, with God's help, we just might witness a miracle, a sign of God's wonderful future breaking in, into the present. And who knows, by God's grace, we may even help bring it about. Amen.